Welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast, where we chat to inspirational folks throughout the city about living their best lives and encourage our listeners to grow and glow. Hello and welcome to the GGC podcast. My name is Laura McGuinness and every week I'm out and about in the city interviewing some inspirational folks for y'all. On this week's podcast, I catch up with writer, podcaster, radio host and TV star Anne Hughes. When Anne was 41, she suffered a brain aneurysm that if treated any later than it had been would have ended her life. In this podcast, Anne shares her story of survival and how she believes that through the power of positivity and focusing on getting better, she not only returned to full health, but has come out of the experience stronger and has taken paths in her career and in life that she would not have dreamed of before. So without further ado, over to Anne to hear her inspirational story. So hello Anne. Hi, hello. How are you Laura? <laughs> I'm good thanks, how are you? I'm great, I'm always good. I'm yeah. glad that you're on the GGC podcast because you and I connected, Was it, it was the start of last year wasn't it? I think so yeah. And I've just been dying to get you on since. I know, I know. And as we've had to cancel, you've had to cancel, I've had to cancel quite oh, a few we've times. Been playing, we've been playing podcast Hi. tennis haven't we? It's so perfect over here now. <laughs> we are indeed. So Anne, you have got a story like no other. Mm-hmm. You really do and... I, from the moment I met you, just loved your energy. I love your the way you've got a path in life. I believe in the same things that you believe in, in terms of law of attraction and all that. So I thought we could just start by hearing your story yep. and then getting to where you are now. So I think probably the best way to start my story is to tell you what life was like before the sort of a big meteor crashed into my life. Yes. Um, and so I'm... Um, so I'm 44 now. So before the meteor, which was in when I was 41, um, I'm married. I've got three children, two girls and a boy. Um, you know, I've been with my husband for 20 odd years now. So and life was good. You know, I've I've had hard times because haven't we all? My mum yeah. died when I was only 13. That that was obviously tough. Um, and. You know, I get made redundant for a job I loved once that I'd been in for 14 years and that I've lost a baby before. And I think that all those trials probably made me the person I am, though. And mm-hmm. I think I think that about everything that hits in air life, you know, it's like I, I'm always a, a glass half full person. So I think that right, we can all learn for this just now. Um, so life was ticking along. Um I was happy in my job. I was I work in the, the charity sector. I'm a fundraiser. I've done that for over 20 years now. And um, I was quite happy with my job. I was happy with everything. Life was just bobbing along. Okay. And then the 12th of February 2017, I'm sitting on my couch with my wee boy, who's, who was two at the time. My daughters were nine and 13. They were upstairs. My husband shouts in for dinner. He's made the dinner. And as I go into the kitchen, I get a real pain behind my right eye. Right. And... Um, it's so sore that actually I wear glasses and as I put my hand up, the glasses come flying off my face. Um, and I thought, what's this? Mm-hmm. I didn't. So my husband, I'm so grateful that my husband didn't say go back to your bed and I'll wake you up in an hour. So he put, he sort of said, go and sit on the couch and we'll see how things are. And I said, maybe it's a migraine. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't get migraines, but my teenager did. So he went and got um, the migraine tablets and a glass of water. And I still remember this image so vividly of me holding the glass of water in one hand and the two wee pink tablets in the other hand and looking at them and looking at my husband and saying, Gary, there's something wrong because I don't know how to put these in my mouth. Oh, man. So I recognised where they had to go, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand how I would get them there. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, we had no clue what was happening to me, no clue whatsoever. Um, 
eventually the ambulance does arrive very quickly because it was a Sunday night, which I'm also very grateful for. Um, I had the moment of clarity shout through to my teenager to phone her auntie in case I needed to go to the hospital. But anyway, the ambulance arrives. Um, they take me to the Southern General. I fall into a coma in the, oh. in the ambulance, or just before I leave the house, actually. Um, and that night, I'm, I'm, my husband is told that I've had a massive brain bleed and that the chances of survival are very slim. Oh, my um, goodness. I know. And my sister recounts that when she arrived there and she went in to see me and I was all machines and she said to, to one of the medical staff, what are the machines doing? And they just said the machines are doing everything. So I so don't your know. body actually wasn't at function, uh-huh. it was the machines that were uh-huh. keeping you. They were keeping me alive. I was in a, I was in a coma now. And um, so I, what I tell you now, I suppose, as not my, my story, it's sort of, and I'll keep it brief, it's what I've been told. So for nine days, um, they couldn't operate because there was too much blood on my brain to see where it, where it was coming from. I'd had an aneurysm, which is where um, there's maybe a wee weakness on your one of the arteries in your brain, and that forms a blister in the blister pop that right, day. Okay. Um, so after nine days, they were did a successful operation, which blows my mind because they went through my groin, and up into my brain and filled the the wee blister with platinum. Oh my goodness! Now there was a there was a surgeon that was in Glasgow mm-hmm. at that time. Tell us about uh-huh. that, because that's so. I mean, I say that whole the whole time. I feel as if so many miracles happened that you know my husband didn't send me to bed. Yeah. That the ambulance arrived so quickly because it was a Sunday night. Yeah. I lived in the West End at the time. So the ambulance should have taken me to the Royal, but it took me to the Southern. The Royal doesn't have neurology, the right. Southern does. Um, lots of wee things. And they had told my husband, actually, that if I had been 20 minutes later, that the blood build up in my brain would have compressed my brain and I would have I would have been brain dead. And so I've got, I've got a scar up on the top of my head that if you ever meet me, I'll probably, and I've had a few wines, I'll probably let you feel. But, um, <laughs> but... Um, so I had a drain coming out in my head to, to lay all of that out. Um, and so there was a doctor here from Barcelona called Dr. Maria de Marco. And she was able to go through, she was an interventionalist. And the beautiful thing about that is my aneurysm happened in the middle of my brain. It wasn't in the outside of my brain. So for open brain surgery, for opening up my skull and getting into my brain, they would have touched so many bits of my brain mm-hmm. that it would have been disastrous because yeah. I think we forget that your brain controls the whole show. Yes. Everything you do, you move your hand, it's because your brain to send the signal to your hand. Um, so the area in my... So yeah, so she was there and she went up through my groin and, and put um, platinum in my brain. And then the danger, the area in my brain that was affected um, is your movement centre. So it's how how you do move your legs and your mm-hmm. arms and everything. So my husband was told to expect that I would probably have disabilities. Mm-hmm. And as I woke up from that surgery, he said they were grading me as I moved everything. I was still unconscious, but obviously I was coming out of that. And he said it took about two hours for me to move my feet and my legs. So he was like, right, so she's going to be in a, a wheelchair. I could move my arms and stuff. I had moved my face. I had moved about at the top, but I hadn't moved my legs yet. But eventually, obviously, I did. And... um. I so then I suppose the point of that that story and what it did when I understood what had happened to me, which took a wee while, and I think I was told a long time, mm-hmm. a lot of times. And the time I got it was actually my sister Margaret and Edward, our friend Edward, mm-hmm. were visiting me. And I've asked again, what happened? 
why am I here? Because there was complete confusion for me. I didn't know why I was in the no hospital. Wonder. And um, she explained it and that I got it that time. Okay. Right? So then my visitors have left and I'm sort of lying in my bed and I think, I know the stuff you've been doing. So I've been a happy for a long time. I've been into, you know, positive thinking. I've been into personal development since the 1990s. And um, I mean, a lot of time on it, a lot of time on it. And I thought, all of that, all of those things you learned, everything you read, everything you listened to, it all brought you right to this moment, Anne. And the surgeons have saved your life, but now it's on you. You're going to fix this with your mind. Wow. And so that's very much what I did. Wow. Because you could have, you could have had negative thoughts in your head, mm-hmm. and that things your recovery could have gone completely, potentially completely different. And I would have been forgiven for that, wouldn't I? If I of had just done that, so I would have been forgiven for going into the house and never leaving again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had lost my voice at first, which I mean, I talk a lot already. You know, I know you love a chat. Eh? <laughs> so um, I had lost my voice at first because at first they thought was it neurological, so was it because they, a bit of my brain had been damaged. Um, but then they checked my throat, they put a camera down there and they were able to ascertain that it was damaged when they had intubated me when I'd went out of the hospital and they'd put the tube down my throat to breathe for me okay. um, and that that would just take time. So there wasn't that a fascinating time as well to not be able to have a two-way conversation. Yeah. The only two-way conversation I was having was with myself okay. um, for about seven or eight weeks that last day. That's a long time, isn't it? And it was hard. It, it got hard, I'll be honest with you. It got very hard because... My wee boy's only two, so and I looked very different. I'd been in hospital, I had lost a lot of weight, um, my head was all shaved, I couldn't talk, I didn't, I really did not look good at all, as you can imagine. Um, and because I couldn't talk either, and I think my wee boy was probably a wee bit scared of me, to be quite mm. honest. So that did get that did get hard, but my voice did obviously come back. Um, and it was just going to that place. I make a pal, as you know, everywhere I go. Of course. But. <laughs> Um, in the hospital, I, I didn't. I, I very much, when I didn't have visitors, I put on an eye mask and I put in earplugs because I, I heard and I have a lot of compassion for the people that were in the same ward as me. But when you hear people talking to each other about their fears about their brain injury, mm-hmm. I didn't need to hear it. No, because it, it could heighten your oh. own. So I just went into a place to be totally positive. I was like, I will get better. I visualised myself all the time. Like my favourite place is up in Fintorn Beach. Um, up in the north of Scotland, I visualised myself playing on the beach with my kids all the time. I visualised myself, you know, walking about, having nights out with my friends, doing my dishes, ironing my kids' clothes. And I just visualised everything that I yeah. knew that I would get back. Yeah. Um, and they thought I would have cognitive difficulties, so now that I would need help to do simple things and all that. And that was what my husband was prepared for. And I was just like, that's not happening. That's not happening. I'm not being... I'm not being your fourth child. I'm not, I'm, that is not happening for me. I'm not going to let that happen. Um, and so I just went in any place of positivity. I never, ever felt sorry for myself. I genuinely never felt sorry for I, myself. And it's like you said, no one would blame you for feeling sorry for uh-huh. yourself because what you've been through is a massive shock, uh-huh. but also such a massive thing for your body. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, and it was. And I mean, recovery, I think actually, which has been dead interesting this last couple of weeks, I think recovery continues because I thought the whole year 2017 was lost to my memory. Um, because I can have, I can forget, hopefully it won't happen on this podcast, but I could all of a sudden forget what I'm talking about. It doesn't happen so often in, anymore, but I thought I couldn't remember 2017 at all. And about four months after I had been unwell, it was my best pal Paula's um, 40th birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I 
thought I could not remember that. And then I was laying some story off to my husband about something, and I was like, remember, they were at Paula's birthday party, and all of a sudden, Paula's whole birthday party fell into my brain just okay. like two weeks ago. Okay. And I thought, I remember that. Yeah. I have never remembered that before. And so it was quite exciting for the point of view. as in there. Yeah. Everything. And so I'm, I'm probably quite excited to hear, to remember what I remember. Okay. Because I, I know that people were dead kind to me that year. Yeah. I know they were. And so I can't wait to remember it all. <laughs> oh, how nice. You know? How nice that. And, and how do you feel that experience and like near death experience has shaped what's come since? Yeah, so I ended up leaving my job probably the following year, and which just about um, 14, 18 months ago, something like that, just now. And um, I decided to go freelance. Okay. Um, I wanted to sort of, uh, I think I wanted and to. And that's a, that's a big deal. When you decide to go freelance, like that's it not. It wasn't a... really a plan. Yeah. It wasn't really a plan. It was just, you know, we've all been in the jobs where all of a sudden you just need to leave. Yeah. And, um, and so I just fell in and I started getting work. And then I thought when I when I work as a freelancer now, I go in and do short bits of work. And literally, I work for you when I'm getting paid. Yep. So I work 95. I don't take things home with me. I don't worry about things on a Saturday anymore. And that gave me all the room in the world to be able to do all the other things that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, and so I've got my radio show on Sunny Govan. I do yes. a podcast too. I'm writing a book. Um, I write for Glasgow Live. I write for a new magazine, Tartan Eye. I'm going to be writing for obviously, GGC. GGC. Yes, it's Um I've been on a show in the BBC, and I'm I'm waiting to hear if we're going to be doing that again. Um, and I think it's just that freedom. It just think you know this isn't a rehearsal. You know, no. it's like life is here to do what you want to do and right. within a healthy way. Do you know what I mean? But I just think just go for the stuff you want to go for and just do the stuff I want to do and. That hasn't always been, I'm not saying it's always been smooth. I've seen to you, summer was quiet and that was a wee bit worrying, but obviously work does pick up again and it has picked up again. Yeah. But um, it's not always smooth, but knowing, actually knowing that you can survive a brain aneurysm, which most people that have a brain aneurysm don't have to tell the tale. Um, so knowing that I can get through stuff that bad yeah. makes you not sweat the small stuff anymore, Laura. Which is amazing, and it's amazing that you have come out of it in the first place, but come out of it so positively. And you have made these changes because do you think before you had the brain aneurysm, you would be writing for the media, you would have been on a TV show, you would have had your own radio show? Probably not. And I mean, that all came about because, and you know this, most people that ever hear me speak know this, that I, I want to write a book. I've always wanted to write a book. I mean, I've always been an average reader. I worked in a bookshop for years when I was at school and at uni. I and I sat in Sunday. It's okay. Waterstones now on the corner of Girl Street and Union Street. At the time, it was called Dylan's. Okay. Um, and um, I've always wanted to write a book, and I've tried a few times. Um, but when I was getting better, I sort of I thought, right, set a target for yourself, Anne. And okay. so I decided I would write a book that would change the way women thought about themselves. And... Um, that I would be on Oprah Super Soul Sunday. And so that's still the bigger plan. And that's so then the I started to think about, oh, you can't write the book in isolation. You have to have people that are ready to buy it. So how do you do that? And I thought you start writing for magazines or news. you start yes. a radio show so that you've Very got a presence. Um, and 
And so that's why I do all that now. And it's very much, I do believe that I will sit on Oprah Super Soul Sunday and I'll be saying, you helped save my life because that's what brought me back. That that real mission of I'm going to write a Burning desire to be... It's going to change the way women think. Yeah. Because I believe that's my purpose is to help inspire and empower women. Um, and so therefore that is happening, that's I sweet. believe. And you're writing it right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I did, as I was telling you, I did write, I did write 17,000 words in a book and then realised I was writing the wrong book. So I had to just put that to the side and then wait for a new idea to come up. But do you know what got me in the practice of writing? Yeah. And it, it is a disciplined thing uh-huh. if, you're, if you're going to write a book because uh-huh. you need to put the time into it exactly. or, or it won't come exactly. to fruition. So I suppose I just, I'm a wee bit, I would say that life now is a bit, it's more exciting probably. Okay. I think I'm a bit different. Okay. Which I think, so I've only known you since brain injury, so you don't have anything to compare it with. Yeah. I think people who didn't know me very well wouldn't notice a difference, if I'm honest. I think people that know me very well do. Okay. I think my husband does. Okay. Um, I think my kids are so young that they just know this mum and it's fine. Yeah. Um, and I was speaking at an event the other day and my, my friend Paula was there and um, somebody asked that question, are you different? And I says, well, what's, what do you think, Paula? And she says, it's like you have no fear now. Okay, okay. And that's the difference she feels. Yeah. Um, and I do still have fear. We all need a bit of fear. But um, but I'm just like, oh, I'll just do that. Yeah. Because what's the worst that can happen here? I can change my mind at any minute. Yeah. Like going on the TV. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And doing the radio. And now I've done 67 shows. That was my 67th show last night. Brilliant and sunny, G. Sunny Govan. So tell us, tell us about how Sunny Govan came about because I, I was a guest on your yeah. show and just absolutely loved chatting to you because it is all about positivity and mm-hmm. making the impossible possible. And uh-huh. so t- talk to us about how you first got into it. So I was trying to get the column in Glasgow Live, and the editor at the time, God bless it, was very, very busy and it was taking ages to come back to me. And I'm sitting with one of my pals who does PR. And I was like, all right, what else can I do? Uh-huh. I can't wait on people. I'm now, I now don't do that waiting on people. <laughs> so I don't wait on things to happen. If something isn't happening, if I'm chatting at the wrong door, I'll find another door. Okay. And she said to me, what about Sunny Govan? Because I live in Govan, I'm from Govan. Yeah. And I was like, I know somebody that works at Sunny Govan. So I arranged to go in and see them. And I sort of, I just thought they would invite me in for a chat or something, or an interview. But by the end of this half hour... He said to me, well, you're from Govan, you live in Govan, and you can clearly talk. You can have a show if you want. And so then was born, I'm going to have a radio show. And I picked a Monday night because uh, one of my favourite writers and teachers, Wayne Dyer, um, who's passed away now. Love Wayne Dyer. So he hosted a show on a Monday night on Hey House Radio. And I used to listen to it every Monday night, and I thought, I'm picking a Monday night. I want to do it on a Monday night. But I still didn't know what this show was going to be. And I thought, I don't want to... um, just be me talking because that'll be dead boring and then I thought I'll have a guest I'll get a guest in and so then the show sort of very much has found its form and so I have a guest every week I kick off with me talking for a few minutes usually about what my column's been on the Sunday night because it's a Monday obviously um, or about what's been going on in my week so quite an honest outpouring sometimes it's very exciting sometimes it's like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) so it's a very honest wee five minutes and then I play a song and then I introduce my guest and each of my guests as you know are asked to pick a few songs which I think is brilliant 
and because there's always a story around uh-huh. the choice so you get to the point so we just sort of a kick off chatting about whatever it is that how we know each other and whatever and then we get to the point where it's um so you picked the next song tonight but did you pick why and then that's lovely when people tell you their stories yeah. about these songs they've picked so we do that a couple of times and then after the second song um i go into final questions which all change a wee bit apart from the first one which is always, what do you know for sure? What do you know for sure? What do you know for sure? Yes. And I love the answers, the different answers people give to that because I think it changes. What I know for sure changes. Oh, it does. You know, sometimes what I know for sure is that um, nothing's personal, that the way people behave is entirely about them and not about me. Um, sometimes what I know for sure is that I don't know anything for sure. Yeah. Because you don't know anything no, you for don't. sure. You have to have so much of your life based on faith and belief. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was funny, like, this this week, so um, I'm doing some healthy eating and stuff again. I've been walking loads of steps. I did 100,000 steps last week, or 170,000 steps or something. Um, I'm eating really healthily, and I stood in the scales, and I hadn't lost any weight for the week before, and I'm thinking, that's impossible. Right. Now, I could have fell down that whole barrier of... Right, that's me. Get the crisps out. Get the chocolate yeah. out. Yeah. No doing this, darling. It's not working. But I know that <clears throat> doing all those steps and eating porridge and salad and soup and all the rest and fruit is good for my body. Yes. Why am I giving the scale permission to tell me that it didn't work? So I've decided now I'm not weighing myself. I'm I just going to keep doing it and I'm not going to tie that. I'm not going to tie it to what the scale says. Yes. Because if I know I'm doing something that's good for my body, it's good for my body. Exactly. It's so, so healthy for you. Because I actually spoke to a nutritionist not long ago and she was actually saying, like, when you are putting on weight or losing weight, that's the last thing. Uh So everything else improves. So you might find that you're sleeping better. You might find that you have got more energy to run about all day you might find that actually everything else is working better and then the last point is that you lose weight Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's before that last point people are like well this isn't working but actually they've not thought that I felt better in myself I'm getting about and I do and I have real I'm thinking much clearer because I've cut a lot of like a lot of carbs not completely because I still have porridge but I've cut bread and stuff like that I feel as if I've got much more clarity in my thought and I am sleeping like a baby do you know what and how like sleep is vital vital and I I mean I always sleep well anyway but now I'm sleeping really 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 well you know that way I'm like I just so I so it's like that whole thing I don't need and so the whole point about what do I know for sure? I know for sure that if I just do the right things, that life will turn out all right. I don't yes. always need proof. I don't need people to tell me I thought that was a great article, and I don't need people to tell me that was a great show. I don't need the scales to tell me you've lost weight, you've done really well this week. I just need to know myself. I am quite proud of that that I did. Yes, I, you know, because we look for if we look for external validation all the time then I don't believe that that can bring you to a good place. No, it doesn't. That's been, a bit of a, that's been a bit of a journey, I suppose, and that's what I know for sure. So I love doing my radio show on a Monday night. Amazing. Um, what know, about standout guests? Well, obviously, in May, I interviewed the First Minister. Like, this is my, like, so tell us, how did that go? So it was amazing, and do you know what was great? So I had got it arranged and stuff, and through a friend who works in PR and who sort of knew the First Minister. Okay. So I had to get through all the security and all that, obviously, as you would imagine, to get the First Minister into your show. And, (laughs) um... 
but she used to be the local MP, so or MSP, so she's been in Sunday Govern lots of times. Right, okay. Right? So then I turn up, now the security and all that are there, right? And um, I'm thinking, but with the days leading up to it, how am I kicking this interview off? I don't, she's coming into Sunday Govern, no offence to anybody or Sunday Govern or anything, but expecting me to probably ask her about her shoes and her holidays. Okay. And that's not what it's going to be. She doesn't know. She's not listened to my show before. Okay. She's never met Anne Hughes before. Yeah. So, um, although she has, I've got a couple of selfies. But anyway, <laughs> back in February or March, I had had a real um, feeling of imposter syndrome, which is a, is a thing where you sort of feel as if I'm going to be found out. I'm not as good as people think I am. I get that all the time. Which women, I think, people get all the time, but especially women get women, all the time. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm kicking my show off, but I've decided. Um, and so I introduced her, and I said, before I introduced her, I said, um, and you will remember a few months ago, I was talking about my experience with imposter syndrome, and I'm really glad I got over it, because if I hadn't, who knows how the night would have gone? First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, welcome to the show. Right. <laughs> I love that. So she says her wee hellos and all that, and then my first question is, so tell me, do you ever get imposter syndrome? And of course she said yes, and she talked yeah, about okay. it. Well, that was covered in every single news outlet of course it would in be. the whole of the UK. Actually even went into some in, uh, like European and international papers. But she told me when I then bumped into it, it's something else. Because I hadn't realised that. That is massive. Um, and I, do you know something? I wasn't mentioned in all those articles and that, that really didn't matter because the point is anybody who would be saying, you know, media people would be saying, so how did we, who got up to talk yeah, about of that? of course, of course. And they would have found their way back to Sonny Goffin and Anne Hughes. Yes. And so, so that was quite exciting, but it's been all the, you know, like yourself, your own, your own, and they're all good in their own way. Everyone's so different. Some people just share so much of themselves in the show, and I yeah. almost feel as if it's that... That's me. I do feel as if people always tell me all their business. Um, and do they realise they're live on air? And do they realise they're live on air? Because you know, it feels as if it's just like a us just sitting chat. It does. Because you, you're very good at making people feel very uh -huh. comfortable. So they're all good. I mean, I've had Eddie Reader on the show as well. I've had the Justice oh, yeah. Minister um, Humza Yusuf on the show. But I've also had, you know, a friend who, who lost her son to meningitis on the show. I've had a friend who um, had to flee Bosnia when the war broke out when she was a teenager and literally never went back home again. Um, I've had to, you know, I've had my, my friend on the show who's had a couple of divorces, mm -hmm. you know, on her second divorce. And that's, that was a beautiful show because it's mm -hmm. somebody sharing. And then um, back in, at the end of June, I had a man on the show who I've known for many years who has blood cancer. And his future is, um, you know, is unknown. Mm -hmm. um, and he's in his 40s, married with a wee, a wee girl. And it was such a beautiful and honest show. Yeah. So I feel really privileged that I provide that place where people can come in and share. Yeah. And equally where somebody can listen to that and hear people being yeah. honest about their lives. Yeah. I think I think you really deal with sort of every aspect of life and I think that that is one of the, the you know, the magical things about your show because it is but real shit happens. It does, and it's and but you always have a very positive outlook on when the shit happens because look at what you've dealt with. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend anyone to listen to your show, and in fact, I'll post links. Yeah, I've got my Mixcloud, so I've got Brilliant. Mixcloud, and it's Anne Hughes Night. That's what I'm obviously on everything. I'm on Anne Hughes Night on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything. Um, but 
it's just, I think, when it comes to thinking positively, do you know that way, Laura? It's like, what's the alternative for me? Yeah. You know, as I sat in that hospital, like, a total riot, I thought, well, what's the alternative to sit and feel sorry for myself or to think, right, well, you weren't expecting this. This is a bit of a surprise. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with it, Annie? Because I just think, and everything that happens, you know, everything that happens, I think, am I going to stress about this? And am I going to think, this will just propel me on to whatever's next? And now I sit in a place where I think I would not swap my brain aneurysm. Really? So that that's almost like it's a pivotal part of your life? Uh-huh. In terms uh-huh. of how it's shaped where you've gone? 100%. 100%. And I would say that I, um, my mum died when I was young, as I've said. So I always thought something would happen to me. I always thought I would die young, if I'm honest. I always had. Never verbalised it to anybody, but I always thought I would. And so when I woke up and understood it, I thought I wasn't surprised it had happened, if I'm right, honest. Okay. Because I always thought something would. Okay. Um, and therefore it's like, so, what you, so you've been giving your life back. You know, I feel yeah. as if as if I did nearly die, and that's very much the experience I had. But in some way, I chose to come back, and therefore, what am I going to do with it? I'm not going to waste it. And I think for some people, that can be a wee bit scary, because I'm not here for your shite. I'm not here for your nonsense. If this isn't working, then I will move on. And I will move on, and I will move on, and I will keep going forward. And that's not to suggest that I leave people in my trail and that I'm I'm mean or anything. I try to be kind and compassionate every day of my life. But equally, I'm not going to put up with nonsense anymore. Yep. And that's dead liberating to just decide. That's not not how I roll anymore. So no, sorry, walk away. Good. So you're good at saying no then? Yeah. Okay. Uh Uh And would you say that you were good at saying no... Not as good. Okay. Not as good. There's stuff that would have happened in um, you know, life before the aneurysm that I would have just let happen and I would have just went with the flow of whereas now I am not going with anybody's flow other than my own. And I don't believe anybody should go with my flow. I think everybody should go with their own flow. Yeah. Because that's how we will make a better a better city, a better country, a better world. Yeah. If everybody just decides what is it that I want to do, too many people are getting dragged along with other people's dreams. Okay. And I think that's what leads to an awful lot of unhappiness in people's lives. Yeah, I think so as well. I think when you're not focusing on your own dreams and you're just kind of feeding it into someone else's, that uh-huh. does kind of chip away at you, doesn't it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So tell us about, so you write for both Tartan Eyes and Glasgow Eye, soon to be the GGC mag as well. What type of content do you write for both of them then? So for Glasgow Live, it's sort of it's called Ignite Sunday Wisdom, and it'll be a reflecting on what something that's happened during the week okay. in my life or in the media or something, and how you could put a positive spin on it. Okay. So every week, and I've done I think Sundays there was my seventy seventh column, so I've done a lot now. Wow. Um, and so um, it's just about taking my and that comes on a like um Glasgow Live. On uh, and on to Facebook and everything about half nine ten o'clock on a Sunday night, so it's sort of a lot one of the last things you would read on a Sunday night. Yeah. Um, and I like that because it's how are you going to start your new week? Yes. Because you could think about it differently. Do you know that way? So that's what that's about. And then I'm really pleased to be writing for Tart and I because it's a printed magazine. So yes. I'm in a printed magazine, which is lovely. And I'm on the very last page. Okay. And it's the sort of a final wee word, and it's showing up for Scotland. Right. And so this month, um, the editor had asked me today about the environment and 
that's not, uh, it's important, obviously, it's very important, it's not one of my major drivers, but um, how could I tie in what is important to me? And I actually brought that round to when we're being environmental, you know, you would go into a shop and buy your vegan, responsibly sourced food and biodegradable packaging only to leave the shop and step over a person sleeping in the street. You know, you take yes. all your squashed up bottles out to your blue bin, but do you talk to your neighbours or the people that are walking past your street? You know, mm-hmm. and that we've got, you know, we don't, where we go on, tra- even if we do go on trains and public transport, we've got our headphones and we don't speak to people anymore. Yeah. We're just all in our own wee words. And we've lost a sense of community. Okay. And therefore, when we think about saving the future of the planet, we have to think about it in more than just the environment. Because if we don't, then the lack of community really worries me. That yeah. people communicate through their phones and through their computers. Yeah. And where is real human connection? You know, whereas it's just priceless, isn't uh-huh. it? Really and so that's what that, and then that will change each month. But that's always sort of it'll be whatever the theme of the magazine is. Yeah. It'll be me trying to put a and different spin, spin on, it. on it. Okay. Um, and obviously, I do Sunny Govern as well, and um, the People's News I did on BBC Scotland. Yes, yeah, so tell us, tell us about People's News because uh-huh. you and your husband were so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so that sort of came about because somebody tagged me in something on Facebook that was looking for opinionated class regions. Okay. And at that point, I was showing up for everything. So I just sort of got back to them. And it didn't say it was a TV show or anything, but anyway, it turned out to be a TV show. And we did the... And it was funny because at first I was just going to do it myself. And then it says, would your partner do it with you? Okay. And I was like, I'll ask him. And at first he was like, no. No, I'm not going to the telly, Anne. Do you know that way? Um, but anyway, eventually I talked to Minnie, yeah, as we do. As we and, do. Um, and we ended up doing this 10-week series on BBC Scotland called The People's News, where we were giving our opinion on different news stories or what it happened. Okay. So it's like Gogglebox, only yep. it's about news. Yep. Um, so it was really good and it was entertaining to be able to... We loved that we actually sat down and had a proper conversation about the news every week when yep. we had to film, which was really good because we get three means so life is busy um <laughs> but it was good to actually put your opinion out there yeah. and actually say this is this is what we think about this and we are you know we come for a very we are very left-wing and we come for a very compassionate place so and it was interesting to then see that diversity with other people yes and to see that mix of opinions yeah that were so different from your own and I thought it just it shows you how diverse our country is, doesn't yeah, it? Really, it, does. it really um, does. So I so we quite enjoyed it. It was good fun. It was good fun. That is brilliant. And what a thing to have done. I know. I know. So good. I know. So so, so what's next? And obviously Oprah Super Soul Sunday. You're Aye. working on the book. When do you think that will be out? Um, I'm hoping to. I had set myself probably a bit of an unrealistic target of doing it next February as the third anniversary of my brain aneurysm, but I don't know if that's doable and I'm not putting myself under the pressure of that. No. So at some point, I would hope next spring I will I'll okay. launch the book um, and then we'll see what's next. And in the meantime, I continue to just do all different bits of work for different organisations. You, you know? do a lot of charity work. Yeah, so, I, have, so I, I work in the third, I've always, that's my career has been in the third sector and in fundraising. So I go into organisations and maybe do some strategy or some fundraising or some management or yeah. whatever it is they need to fill spaces. Yeah. You know, what one I did, they, they, their head of fundraising had moved on and they needed somebody to just cover that for yeah. a few months until they got the new person in so I do things like that and so it's quite um, it's quite nice having variety I think I'm somebody that does better with variety yes. doing the same thing every day would not be what I wanted to do No, I also do work in organisations 
um, that have problems within the culture of the organisation. You okay. know, so a team that are all hating on each other yeah. and all that. Um, and as we've already spoke about, everybody tells me everything. Yes. So it doesn't take long for me to go into an organisation and work out what the problem actually is, which sometimes the management had no idea that was the problem, but yeah. they've told me because everybody does tell me everything. Yeah. So that's a bit of work that I really love and that I would love to do more of. Okay. And I do um, workshops as well about yes. Night Your Life workshops are called. I've not done any for a while, but I'll get them back up and running. Um, and they're about just people, women, coming along and um, working out how, how they think or you know, how, how they, their behaviour is affecting their life. And it's, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity to sit and have a very honest conversation with some other people. Yeah. And sadly, I don't think everybody's got that. No. But I create that environment everywhere I go, where people have very honest conversations. And um, it's quite liberating to sit down and think, actually, oh, my day was rubbish the other day because I got out of the bed and I started arguing with my husband straight away. Yeah. And then it just, it just one thing led to another, led to another, yeah. and the whole day ended so up rubbish. Yeah. Whereas if I could have just not moaned about the towel on the bedroom or the bathroom floor, because really, did it matter? Does it really matter? Yeah. If I just had left it, I could have just walked over it, and it could have been lying there the night when we get home. Yeah. I didn't get in a fight about it. Yes. Because it just all leads on. It leads on. So it's about making the right decisions. Uh-huh, I think it is. And being very conscious, you know, living your life intentionally that's what I would say or you know what is my what is my purpose with the next thing I'm about to do what is it I want to happen after I have an argument with this person yep what do I think is going to happen nothing good's going to happen if you start an argument with somebody I would say and so it's having that intention what is my intention with the next decision I make what's it going to be yeah you know so if my intention is to stop when I leave here and have a fish supper for my lunchtime I know these skills that I'm not starting on are not going to be any better. Yeah, of course. But so it's what's your intention with everything that you do. And I think once you open that door for people, um, they have to walk through it themselves. I can't, I can't lead anybody through it, but I can open the door for them and say you could choose to turn up differently here. Yes. And so that's what I, that's what I try to do with all, with my writing, with my radio show, with my podcasts, with even the TV show. It was always trying to bring that in, that you could think about things differently. Yeah. Um, would you say that you're a wee actually quite like a like a positivity guru then? I wouldn't quite call myself a guru yet. You're on now. Um, <laughs> but I, ha- I would I would I would do I've done so I would now describe myself as a motivational speaker and right. I've had I've done quite a few motivational talks at different places over in Northern Ireland as well recently, um, and in different places in Scotland, and that's something that I want to do for the future. It's a wee bit different though because yeah. and when I was speaking at something at the weekend there after that, a few folks said to me, "And yeah, it was so funny. You should be on the Edinburgh Festival next year." And I thought I've never thought of that. Uh, you I don't should know that be at the fringe one hundred percent because it's very authentic and it's very honest and that. That's um, where I really want to come from, is a place of real honesty and authenticity. So you're getting sort of a watch, a watch all. When, you, when I tell you a story, you're getting the whole thing and what I thought about it. Um, which, and you know something? I'm forgiven. I'm a funny woman. Yeah, just are where we are. So do you know that way? I can actually do something overly, overly serious. And I hope that that mixture of motivation, honesty and humour means that those messages get to people in a different way yeah. for the way other motivational speakers do it. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give people then some tips, say three tips, right, mm-hmm. on showing up in the right way, on positivity, 
around kind of what you give them teachings and what would they be? I think one of my, my deal ones that got me into an awful lot of doors this last 18 months would be show up for what shows up. So okay. when um, an opportunity that's completely left field, like somebody tagging me in something, looking for opinionated Glaswegians, you know, when something like that comes in left field, if, if straight away you think, no, I'm not doing that, then fine, I don't think you should go down that path. But if it piques your interest... Yeah follow that path and okay. see where it takes you because yeah. I think too often we shut ourselves down to stuff yeah. you know just turn up there and see what happens I can't tell you how many poor things that I have turned up to and I've ended up getting a bit of work from it or whatever you know like even the night that I that I, I can't even remember what we were at when I met you and Vic and then and then I developed friendships out of that yeah. and we've done shows together and we've been on great nights out together we're doing a podcast and do you know that way it's just like following paths to meet new people I think okay. has probably been really important I think being intentional about what's next in your life about okay. what you want to happen when you're next you know, if you make a decision, what is it you expect to happen on the other side? Because something happens on the other side of every decision. Yeah. So don't look at stuff in isolation. You yeah. know, don't just think that um, I'll do this and nothing will happen because something always happens. There always a reaction. And I think we all know the people in the world and in our lives who clearly have bad intention yeah. because their worlds are falling around about them. And... Um, Therefore, I think being intentional with yeah. what you're deciding. And I think the final one, you know, is I said I'd be back at the start when I was telling the story about my about my brain that night. They told my husband that it was 20 minutes later then my brain would have been compressed and I would have been brain dead. And I just, that comes into my brain a lot and into my mind a lot now. Like, you know, it can all change in 20 minutes. The whole world can change. Your whole world can change in 20 minutes. And don't lose sight of that. Yeah. And that isn't to say live in fear, and it isn't to say be a hedonist and just go and do everything you want to do. <laughs> you know, it's not to say that. It's to say, you know, if I did, if everything was going to change in 20 minutes, would I be mad I had done this, or would I be mad I didn't? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's like my daughter's doing a lot of running just now. She's going to do the Berlin Half Marathon next year. And Amazing. Someday she really doesn't want to go out and run. And, um, and then she's like, I'll never regret going for a run, but I might regret not going for it. So true. And so I think expand that into other things in your life. I wouldn't regret phoning that pal, but I might regret no phoning them because actually I could feel yeah. better after that. Or turning up or deciding I'm going to regret going on that night out because actually I've not got the energy for it. I've not got the money for it. I'm yeah. tired. It would do me a world of good to just have an early night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know? And it's yeah. so therefore making the decisions about or applying for a job or asking somebody out on a date. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's such a good way and actually a very simple way of looking at it will you regret not doing it because if you do then do it exactly. if you will then do it exactly. such a good way of looking at and it. just having that clarity of it could all change so quickly I was yeah. fine I was healthy I had nothing that had any signs that my brain was going to pop and I was going to be in a coma and I was going to be close to death's door and I was going to take six to eight months to recover for that that was unknown to me yeah. at six o'clock on that Saturday night. Yeah. By half past six, everything had changed. Everything had changed in my life and my husband's life and my kids' lives and my family's lives and my friends' lives. Everything then was like, oh my God, how could this happen? Yeah. How could this happen to Anne? Do you know what I mean? And so I think just being really conscious of the fact that mm-hmm, 
we're not here, we're not promised this life forever. I mean, I'm 44 now and I think, how did that happen? How did that get so, you know, and you're sitting obviously with your baby on the way and I think, it doesn't seem that long ago that my 16-year-old was in there. Mm. And I was having my first pregnancy yeah. and now, you know, she's going to hopefully finish school this year, go away to uni, do all her life and I think, it goes so fast, yeah, Laura, it, it just does. all goes so fast and therefore, what are you waiting on? Yeah. Yeah. What are you waiting on, actually? Yeah, exactly. Nobody else is going to open the doors for you. You need to date yourself. Yep. Well, God, and you are, you are a total go-getter. Like, you are. And I always yeah. think it's funny, you told me the story about emailing someone and when someone's not getting back to you, how you respond and say, <laughs> just like, Look, pal. Look, pal. I'm not going away. I'll continue to message. Can I quickly tell you a <laughs> yes. funny one about this? Actually, me and my emailing. So they were filming a Steven Spielberg film. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, 1917, it's about World War One, And they were filming a huge party in Govan. Right. And I live in Govan. Yes. Um, and because it was so close to where I live and there was going to be gunshot and stuff like that they kept putting letters through my door telling me when the gunshot was going to be and all this and when the roads were going to be closed so there's somebody's number on it so I start texting her don't I (laughs) hi Lindsay I think her name was hi Lindsay Um, I live in Govan I actually have got a show in Sunny Govan I'm wondering would Steven Spielberg have half an hour to pop down to the studio? Of course he did. So she comes back, she's like, sorry, Steven Spielberg won't be there. And I was like, oh, understand, understand. What about Benedict Cumberbatch, Richard Madden, any of the guys? <laughs> so she ignored me that time, right? So then this one Saturday night, I'm in my kitchen with two of my pals having a few gins. And, and I come down later at like 10 o'clock at night, right. telling us that the next day they're going to, the roads are going to be shut and that there will be gunfire all day. Right. So, sorry for the inconvenience. So, does I know text her? Like, in my gin haze at half past ten on a Saturday night. <laughs> Hi there, just got the most recent letter. I'm going to be so inconvenienced by the road closure. I wasn't really, but anyway. And I do have three veins in the gunshot. I don't know what I'm going to do, Lindsay. So, I'm wondering, would any of the actors fancy joining in the whole inconvenient state of affairs that we've found ourselves in? And I'll come over with my aim recorder and I'll record a wee interview with them. She just completely ignores me. But I'm just laughing the fact that I'm so cheeky now. <laughs> and then about four weeks later, five weeks later, so not that long ago, I get a call for somebody very posh in English. Hello, okay. Anne, it's Rachel from 1917. And I'm thinking, and because I do lots of different work, I'm actually listening and I'm thinking, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> and I say to her, sorry, can we just step back a wee bit? I don't know what, what it is that you're... Can we just clarify what you're phoning me about? Okay. And... um. She explains you had emailed, you had texted my colleague, yes, and I'm the publicist for the film okay. 1917, okay. and I believe you've got a show on Sunny Govan, and we'd like to um, invite you, put you onto the guest list to come to the media launch and interview the stars. So <laughs> how have you not told me this before? I know, now? I know. So I'm now on the guest list to go when the fo- the film doesn't even come out until next February or something. So I think it'll probably be towards the end of the year, beginning of next year. I will go where all the media get to see the film and then like in um, Notting Hill I'll have my wee five minutes with each of the actors to interview them and that's massive <laughs> that is massive so there'll be me and Benedict Cumberbatch selfies oh. I can't even remember all the folk that are in it but there's quite a lot of stars amazing. in it amazing Richard Madden I mean he's is he from Paisley I don't know so he's Scottish uh, so, so um and so and I think that's that it's about just being a bit like 
everybody else that got that letter through, I bet you nobody thought about doing that. And why no. would they have thought about doing that? They maybe didn't have a radio show in Sunday Govan to invite them on Saturday night, it's like but, that. <laughs> so it's just like that, sort of, I just turn up and do stuff because did I care whether the person I was texting thought I was a pain in the ass? No, no, really, I don't even know them. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I know, but so many people care. Don't they? What other people think, even if you don't know them. Aye, and I really, really don't. That's and I good. don't even really care what people that I do know think. If, yeah. You know, if people want to judge me, then look in the mirror, pal. I don't, I don't really need your judgment on that. I don't yeah. need your approval on my life. Yeah. I'm all right without that. Um, and so it's just living your life like that, a wee bit more like just showing up and thinking, right, what will I do next? And you don't ask, and you, you don't, don't know what, yeah. And you don't know what paths that will lead you down. Oh my god, you're going to end up pals with these stars and going right into movie stars. Because what I would love to do now, the actress that was um, Amelia Clark and she was in Game of Thrones, yep. the one with the dragons, so she, had, she had a brain aneurysm, the same as mine, and it was Did treated she? in the same way through her groin with, a, with platinum coil. Right. Um, and I would love to interview her. And I'm thinking, well, she'll know them. I just need to make pals them. with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, she'll know Richard Madden, he was on Game of Thrones. I just need to make pals with the Richard Madden and yeah. then, and because I know that everybody tells me all their stuff and all that, I know they'll be quite entertained by me because I'm going to be different from all the other journalists that walk in there because yeah. I'm not a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I that's quite exciting. So you'll see that, that happening on my social media when it happens. Oh, well, we'll need to follow your social media and I'll be posting links to your social media below uh-huh. to make sure that everyone's on it. Uh-huh. So, and then, if you had a mantra that you live by, because obviously there's lots of mantras weaved through this podcast on really positive ways to live your life, but if you had one that sticks out that you follow? I think, and this is one that I used through my recovery, and I said hundreds of times a day, and to myself, and I still keep moving forward. Okay. Keep moving forward, and I say that to myself all the time. I don't want to move back. I don't want to go back to where I've been. Yeah. Um. I want to just keep moving forward in my life. And literally at that stage, I couldn't walk in a straight line and I couldn't do anything for myself. And if I managed to be up and dressed before, you know, I used to get up and try and get showered and dressed and be down the stairs to watch Ellen, which at that time was on Channel 5 at like 1 o'clock. And then I would watch it and then I'd fall asleep on the couch and then I'd go back to my bed at like half three or something you know because okay. literally that's what my waiting hours were yeah. and um, if I got down for half an hour earlier if I got down for half an hour longer I thought well you've done better than you did yesterday there, yeah. and so it's that you and yourself keep moving forward and remind yourself that you don't want to go back because what are you going back yeah I just I'm not, I'm not a fan of going backwards I'm a fan of moving forward and I think that would probably be something that I that I use a lot just now, just keep moving forward, Annie. I say it to myself a lot. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, well, listen, it's been so inspiring speaking to you. Oh, it always you. is. And I am buzzing to follow your journey. Aye. It's exciting. It's very, very exciting. And especially at the end goal, when you're on Oprah Super Soul Sunday. I'm worried about what the goal will be after that, but worry about that when I'm sitting oh. in San Diego on Super Soul Sunday. Uh, and yeah. Oprah's garden. <laughs> That's where she films it. Of course, that'll be it. Oh, well, listen, and thank you so much for being a guest. It'll be good to chat to you again maybe after that premiere Uh and we'll get the exclusives. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you for having me. No, thank you, and I'll speak to you soon. Yep, bye. Bye.